Hello, and welcome to the Casually Profound Podcast. I'm Lauren McLean, your host, and here to bring you conversations with friends about what it's like to apply spiritual concepts and theories into our everyday lives. I'm joined by my friends, Anastasia Burtnick and Sabrina Ersener to talk about what it's like when you're seeking. The, this is a really nebulous concept we're going to go through today because I find that it's so common um, among the spiritual community where everybody is so horny for their next certification and like so excited to learn a new thing because it all feels like it makes sense. There, In my opinion, there's this grand sense of remembering that we all love uh, because of the lifetimes and because of the things that have all happened before, right? Um, and so seeking becomes a very human endeavor. Anyway, so first off, Anastasia Burtnick, I know through our good friend, Laura, this is uh, secretly a Laura Stan podcast. And so the Sabrina or Anastasia and I have taken a couple of different courses and stuff, including the Akashic Records readings uh, through Laura together at the same time. We also have like an insane amount of mutual friends um, mm-hmm. and have somehow never connected through those people. Like there, we don't like three or four or five people. Um, it blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. Uh, Larissa Olson and Stephanie Rempel have both been on this podcast and are both in your close circle. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, uh, Sabrina Yersener, uh, comes from the States from Pennsylvania and she is acquainted through the podcast through Samantha Long, who was on a couple episodes ago, um, introduced me and through the magic of scheduling gods, we all ended up on the same episode together. So, um, Sabrina, would you like to tell us a little bit about what you do? Sure. Um, so I, I think this is such a fun episode to be on because I probably wouldn't have thought of it until now, but I think I would actually call myself a seeker. Like I just, Mm. I'm not, I wouldn't define (laughs) what I do. I'm kind of always looking for the next thing and growing and expanding and learning more. Um, so to kind of put it in a nutshell, I am a recovering corporate lawyer from New York city. (laughs) I, quit that lifestyle. And I moved to a tiny little cabin in the woods with my dog in Pennsylvania. I hike all spring, summer, and fall. Um, I do a lot of, I teach a lot of classes on Zoom and pretty much everything I do is, is about finding what feels good for you, finding more joy and letting go of the stuff that is weighing you down. Because life's short and it's supposed to be good and fun. Yeah, yeah, awesome. So, uh, Anastasia, do you want to introduce us a little bit to the work that you do as well? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I am a spiritual life and business coach and energy healer, and also conduit for spirit. Um, so, I mean, my fo- I have so many different focuses, but they all beautifully meld together. So, I mean, with the spiritual coaching, my essentially mission with that is teaching you how to live through the eyes of spirit. So really having that soul, like leading with your soul, that soul first foundation, understanding what is spirit, how to work with it, how to like receive your gifts and really empower yourself. And then even going into, you know, how to start healing yourself, because while I am wildly a fan of, you know, receiving outside support. I'm also deeply um, inspired by like 
self-healing and, and kind of that, that track as well. Cause we need to know equally how much to heal ourselves and then also when to ask for that outside support. And, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. yeah. And then I'm also like a seeker as well. I used to always, uh, <laughs> I, this is such a perfect episode. Cause I used to always say like, I'm a squirrel with nuts. Like I just, I like to <laughs> gather all my nuts and then I'm like, mm, my nuts. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's so a sound anyway. clip. That's yeah. a sound clip for this episode. Done. Yeah. But yeah, so I've always been like a, I've always been a squirrel with nuts. So I love gathering all of that information. But I did have to learn how to actually like plant and grow the nuts that I gather, mm. rather than just hoarding them. So yeah, yeah. So that's a little bit about me. <laughs> that is so powerful. The um, it's so in my life too. I have always been a seeker. Uh, and I, as I said, I think it was because I was addicted to the remembering. Um, and I, it's so I was taking, I took lots of different like intuitive healing and Akashic records and Reiki and like all the different things. Um, although it was interesting, I wanted to know all these things because I have been experienced, I have like been visited by spirits and stuff like that since I was a kid. And, um, I had luckily had a mentor in my early teens uh, who taught me kind of the basics about how to, you know, how to deal with a ghost and stuff like that. And um, the, but it wasn't until in my twenties that I was like more into it because when I was younger, I totally had this perception that if I offered this stuff as like a business or I made this my primary source of income. If I did anything, if I acted on any of these things that I knew that I would turn into a tie dye wearing curly hair, barefoot, 60 year old auntie wearing chunky necklaces. Um, and that I would have like no friends and would be poor. And that was cut. That was it. Um, and So I was like, can't do that. So I went into accounting. I went into business. <laughs> I need to be accounting. Can you imagine? Like, seriously. <laughs> that lasted for about five minutes. Um, but uh, so I, with the spiritual seeking then, um, when I finally let myself kind of enjoy and embrace these different modalities and stuff like that, oh, I fucked around and found out. the um, I got kicked out of the Akashic Records. I got like astrology uninstalled from my brain a few times by spirit. Like I would go to, people would ask me questions and I'd be like, I have no fucking clue what you're talking about. Like the words didn't even make sense. And um, so, and now I feel like I'm at a place where I can embrace the fact that I'm an artist. I'm an intuitive. I do readings and it all blends together. I, I feel like it's melding now into a stream that I can like, Oh, this is this. Make, um, I feel like it's melding now into a stream that makes sense and it works together. And it, uh, like it makes sense. It feels like, I feel like I've found the spots inside of me to put all of these different things that I have learned. And now I get to implement, which is, super, super exciting for me. Um, I'm curious, have either of you, uh, is one of your things that you have sought out or learned or whatever, um, have you, has that included human design for either of you? A little bit, uh, just a little bit. Like I'm kind of on the periphery of it. And then I'm focusing right now more on learning the gene keys, which is very related to human design. So good. Yeah. But I also like spirits, like you have to do it the hard way. (laughs) 
or the easy way, whichever way you look at it. So I have to like learn it through spirit. I can't just like, cause reading the book, I'm like, huh? I makes no sense. But spirit's like, you just have to come in and like ask us what this shit means. And I'm like, okay, I will do that. Yes. <laughs> totally. Totally. Sabrina, are you a human design girly? I have not gotten there yet, but <laughs> when you hear what other trainings I have, it's probably, it's probably one of the next, next ones. Yeah. 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 It, uh, you've, have you heard of it? Like, do you know what it is? Only a little bit. So actually, if you'd like to expand a little, this yeah. is great. Um, just one, one quick thing that what you just said reminded me of, which is yeah. part of why I'd love to hear this a little more. So I, I totally was just like you, like I have been so fascinated by this type of work and interested in learning and having these thoughts since I was little. And I was, I grew up in kind of a very vanilla box, if you want to call it that, like just everything was very like in the box, normal, plain. And, and I, you know, I worked at a big law firm and it's all these old white men and they were wonderful, but it's very kind of everyone has their way of thinking. And part of what I've found in this growth process and doing all these trainings and meeting people like you and doing these podcasts is um, you kind of have to find the right people. Like Anastasia, I think you actually just had a post about this and it's so perfect. It's like... Mm. The, the medicine only works for, for people who are going to vibe with it and, and feel it. And so if people aren't ready to hear some of this stuff, they're going to be like, you're a total woo-woo. That means nothing to me. But if you once you connect with the right people and you find this community of people who get it, <laughs> it's just like, boom, you know, you totally thrive. So I just thought it was interesting. I, we probably all have to just find our people who are at the place where they're ready to hear these things and it's magic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the one thing that I have learned in, in finding my people, I have found my people in a lot of ways and is the patience that comes with allowing them to come in. Do you know what I mean? Where like mm -hmm. the, I feel like there's a lot of hand wringing about like, oh, I don't have any friends and nobody gets it. Nobody, I don't have anybody to talk to about this stuff. And it's like, listen, it was me and Instagram for a long time. I'm like pretending that fucking Catherine Zinkina and Gary V were my best friends. Like that was it. Um, and then it took, I took a few years. I like literally broke up with everyone in my life and was like, mm. no, we're, this is not a thing anymore. And, um, the, it took a year or two, but then slowly, slowly these people started coming into my life that I'm like, oh, you're a fucking lifer. I have never made friends. I've never kept friends for a long time. We moved around a lot as a kid. And mm. then as an adult, there was lots of time. There I had a few friends who I was very close with, who then I would get to a point with being like, like, I don't think this is it. I don't think this is the thing. And um, would be like, I think, I think we need to see other people. And um, so, but now that I've found people who are like, are my people, like the thing. And so it's been very interesting. I love getting older. I love going through the, I love fucking going through it, man. The, um, so it's interesting you bring up your vanilla box, Sabrina, because that totally relates to what I was going to say about human design as well. I don't know. I woke up this morning with like this thing in my brain about human design. Something clicked today. Something clicked today about human design. And like, I don't even know. Um, 
So human design is, uh, it builds on astrology in that it brings in the I Ching and it uh, maps the I Ching to astrological placements. And it uses your birth date and time to put together what kind of your destiny chart is and what your personality chart is. And it shows the synastry between the two charts um, to kind of show how your divine will interacts with your free will and how you show up in your life. Um, it's human design purports to provide, uh, rules and structures of how you can live your life in alignment with your truest self. And if you just live according to these set of rules, you will be in alignment and you will have emotional freedom and wisdom and be, I don't know, some fucking great, wonderful wizard or something like that. And, um, the, so, um, that's human design. And then gene keys, actually the guys who, so gene keys and, um, human design were both channeled by two guys in the eighties. Um, gene keys was put together by Richard Rudd and the human design was put together by another dude whose name I don't remember, but they were friends actually. And were on some of the same mushroom trips together when this all came through. And, um, so Gene Keys is a more simplified system, and it, but it again relates astrology and the I Ching to the DNA and to the 64 codons of the DNA and to like the amino acids and more of the body and stuff like that. But the chart is highly simplified. The chart for human design is like, I love details, but like, holy fuck, a human design chart is another level. Um, so anyways, those are the kind of the levels. The, and human design, I have several entomological problems with, like I, it doesn't, I don't buy it the whole way, but Gene Keys, like, that's the, that's the real deal. That is the absolute real deal. It is phenomenal. And, um, so with human design, you, each person has an energy type. There's four different energy types that a person has, uh, or a person can have. I'm a generator. Um, is there five? I think there's five. Oh, okay. Generator, Manigen, Reflector. Projector. Projector. Is there four? Manifester. Yeah, Manifester. Yeah. Okay. And um, so the I'm a generator and this morning I woke up like, oh, you're, oh, that makes sense. This morning I just woke like up, like fired up because mm-hmm. last night I was working on an application for something. <sighs> I went to bed so tired. It was so nice. I was like, oh, I woke up this morning just like so jazzed. And I was like, man, this is the fucking generator life. Like just doing what you love, doing it hard. And then like passing out and waking up ready to do it again. Like that is, that's so great. Um, and I got so upset this morning because on on Instagram and, and in the place where you find these human design readers and interpreters, a large percentage of them that I... I have seen are projectors and um, projectors are their energy type is supposed to be that which um, they tell people what to do. They are supposed to be the ones, the leaders, the ones that we listen to and their energy type is such that they only have like energy, like actual like battery power to work for a few, a couple hours a day, like three, four ish hours a day. 
and a generator is the exact opposite. They have the same kind of ebb and flow of their energy, but a generator has battery power to go like 24 hours a day. If the generator is doing something they love, unlimited energy. And so mm-hmm. I just woke up this morning being like, these fucking projectors don't even know they're telling y'all to rest and relax. And like, have you ever told a border collie to relax? Have you ever looked at the face of a dog, a working dog that's told to relax? This dog right here. You're told a fucking working dog to relax. They just look at you like you're from like Pluto or something like that. I mean, like, yeah, nice try, like good luck. And then they go on being energetic and it's like, no projectors get out of here with your rest shit. Do what you love and do it. For, do it like that's it anyways. And so um, I've been struck in the last few days, weeks, that kind of thing. Um, thinking of it through a human design lens about how generators are designed to respond to things. So are projectors, mm-hmm. honestly, and that you need some kind of outside stimulus to say yes or no to, and that your gut has a reaction as a generator saying yes or no to things. And um, there are other energy types who can just invent stuff pull it out of their ass and carry on. But generators are not supposed to work like that. And I just realized that growing up, I also had a very, I would call it a vanilla box, you know, like dad worked, mom stayed at home and like you went to college and carried on, right? Like, and you got a job and working was important and you had to work hard and and that kind of thing. And um, like a very stereotypical family. Mm-hmm. And um, the what I realized was that with stuff that I want to do now in my life, I had nothing to respond to. Like I was responding to the environment I was in. Um, but I didn't kind of didn't know, or I didn't have something to respond to for a more creative life. Right. Like I saw the, like go to work, work in corporate, go to college kind of path, or I saw the barefoot tie dye hippie um, path. Like that was really it. And so both of those were no's. And then I was sitting here in the middle being like, well, what the fuck happens next? And so that path of seeking really took a, a, a weird turn because it was something that I needed to learn in my body, but something that I had no reference for. And so finding something to respond to in order to, um, kind of find my yes or no has been quite a path, quite a journey. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I, that's my soapbox for today. <laughs> Sorry, that was very long. <laughs> no, I love it. It re- it resonates so completely because that, that's mm-hmm. exactly how I felt. It's not like growing up, people were saying, you can't be an energy person. Oh, you can't do anything spiritual. It's that I just literally wasn't exposed to it. I was exposed to what my family did and what my parents did. And I did that. Um, I mean, even, even this with human design, I've maybe seen little bits on Instagram or when I'm doing, you know, studying something, if someone is also doing human design, they might have some tidbits in there, but now I'm exposed to it. Now I'm going to, after this podcast, go look up like, what's a manifester? Cause maybe that one's me. I don't know. <laughs> you know, like you just have to be exposed in the first place to then, like you said, have a reference point. And then like Anastasia said, you know, decide, okay, from this reference point now, does it resonate with me or not? If it does, maybe I continue to go down the path a little more. If it doesn't, okay, go down some other road. Mm-hmm. Does any of it resonate with you, Anastasia? 
Yeah. I mean, there's, hmm, I'm just trying to like unpack all of the, all of the layers of everything. So, I mean, with human design itself, um, like I said, I'm like called to it a little bit, but not something I've really like dove into. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions around human design and especially teachers that no offense to them, but like, they don't know what they're talking about or they they're, they're like reading the book, but they're not understanding the concept. So I know like for me as a generator, um, I've always heard like generators are the worker bees and they're the hustle energy. And I'm like, fuck that shit. Like I ain't doing no hustle energy that all, all that did was lead to like burnout and stress and all those things. And I did that for like many, many years in the military. And, um, it just like, it wrecked my body, ended my career, but it beautifully brought me onto the path that I'm on now. Um, and it's funny cause you're like, no, no rest for generators. And I'm like, yes, rest. <laughs> well, I think it goes <laughs> down like, it to so much me. about, yeah, it, it's what excites you, right? Like that's mm-hmm. the fucking, that's the key, right? With generators. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like for me, I've learned in different ways to manage my energy and like flow with that energy of like what excites me. Like sometimes rest just feels super nourishing to me. So I'm like, yes, I'm going to rest today. Other times it's like having a conversation like this. Other times it's like reading a book or going out in nature or like eating chicken nugs. And I'm like, yeah. So, I mean, there's so many different things that I can bring in to, to fill myself up and excite me that isn't like what a lot of people would typically teach around how to best use your energy. Um, and although I had like a little bit of a different upbringing, upbringing than you two, um, like where my mom was a single mom and we like, we struggled a lot and there's whole shit ton of trauma there. Um, uh, <laughs> like I ended up going into the military at, um, at like 17, but I was exposed to that environment. Cause I was in the, the cadet program from the age of nine. So literally from like nine until I want to say 28 is when I released like that. That was more like, that was more than half my life. Cause, of, and it was just in that very like strict, like limiting, um, hyper masculine, like hyper overdrive kind of energy. And I didn't get like, I was like, grew up like religious and I didn't really have any exposure to, spirit other than like typical religion, which I didn't agree with. Cause I was like, God isn't in this church. God's in nature. <laughs> and then they'd be like, no sacrilege. Um, <laughs> Do you grow up Catholic? Uh, yeah. Catholic and Orthodox. So that's a story in itself. I was baptized yeah. Catholic, but then because my dad was the wrong type of Catholic, like he was Roman Catholic instead of Ukrainian Catholic, they're like, you can't have your first communion. So we're like, fuck you. <laughs> and we transferred him into like Orthodox and so it was like a whole thing. I, I was like, like yeah. seven years old, so angry. I was drawing like devil horns on a priest. Like, <laughs> Burn in hell. <laughs> so I, that took a really weird turn. But anyway. <laughs> that is, I love it. I'm a hundred percent here for it. <laughs> so yeah, but I, um, it wasn't like for me, I didn't really have any, I didn't really have that choice of like, oh, do I follow the mainstream path or do I become a hippie? And it's so funny because in the cadet program, we used to like march around and we'd like sing marching songs and we'd be like, down with hippies. We're not hippies. I can't remember all the words, but it was always like, hippies are bad. And now I'm like, I love being a hippie, even though I'm not super hippie. But 
It's just so funny. But um, yeah, like I didn't have kind of that choice. It was just like, I must follow this career path and be big and important. And like, if I don't have the important job, then I am nothing. Um, And it wasn't until like I ended up being injured and um, like literally my my life just went to shit because spirit was like, here's the two by four to the head that you've you've been needing because you've been ignoring all of our nudges. Um, and I w- it was literally like a, it came to a point where I was like, I have to change or I'm or die. Cause I, like my depression, my chronic pain, everything was so debilitating and horrible. And spirit just like, was like, here is a program for you to learn from. And it was a beach body program. Cause I'd been like in the beach body coaching kind of sphere a little bit. Okay. And somebody was running a course and they called it may you love yourself spiritually. And it was in the month of May and it was like, she was on top of the beach body stuff. She was teaching about like oracle cards and angels and intuition and self-love. And I'm like, what is this magic? Can I be a part of it? <laughs> and then that just sparked everything. And then I got addicted to like learning and all my books and all my cards. <laughs> like, And yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I love that. I love when it comes in on the unexpected path, right? Like mm-hmm. the... Mine, when I was young, I had gotten concussions and uh, doing like stupid teenage shit. And then um, I needed, like I was not healing well from them. And so I went to see a woman who did cranial sacral therapy and she was also an energy worker and all that kind of thing. And so she would do the cranial sacral. And then um, at the end of the session, she'd be like, yeah, I'm being told you need to use these and she'd like slide a deck of oracle cards over i'm like what's this and she's like just just open them and um and then the next time she i'd be there she'd be like i'm being told you need to use the pendulum and i was like okay and so i'd ask questions to the pendulum or like it was so she introduced me to a bunch of different things that way but it was definitely not the intention to go there because i was also raised uh, very christian we were in the united church but i went to catholic private school until grade six um because my mom wanted us to have religious education we just Mm -hmm. chose a different religion anyways so the um growing up christian yeah a lot of the stuff that i now look back on as like oh that's just energy work or oh that was just like angels or that kind of thing um it was uh it was easy to write off in a christian doctrine because it's like, mm-hmm. oh, that's just the Holy Spirit or, oh, that's just whatever. It's these things, these coincidences that happen around you that you have no control mm-hmm. over. You have no influence over. You have no ability to interact with really other than be like, thank you, Jesus. And um, and carrying on. And so it wasn't until I was a teenager that it was like, it opened up and it was like, oh, you can, you can do something with this. And then of course it was the, I just saw it all as like hippies and it, which is not the case at all, which I know <laughs> now, but- <laughs> I want to just, this story is like coming up. I want to share it. Um, So it's so interesting. When I was a kid, I had a Frosty the Snowman and I was from Avon. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, but it was a little, it was like a snowman and he presses hand and he sings little, like, well, he doesn't say he plays little Christmas carols. So this was like my favorite stuffed animal. Um, My mom actually still has them. I should really get him back. Um, (laughs) But he so I always carried him absolutely everywhere and it was so interesting because one day um I was probably I don't know anywhere from like five to eight I think around this time um he was sitting in my Bopchi's living room my Bopchi is my grandmother and she's actually right there um but uh yeah so she, she he was sitting in 
um, the living room and I had left the room and he started playing carols. And it was so interesting because no one was around. It was like me and my bop in the house. My bop was on the other side. And every time I left him for a while, like he'd just play carols. And it, like, literally he was like haunted by a spirit guide. It was awesome. And, <laughs> and like, I felt so safe. I was like, oh, I'll come get you. Don't worry. And then it was just like the most comforting feeling ever. But I like looking back, I'm like, oh yeah, that was definitely like one of my guides coming in to fully support and everything. But back then I was just like, do, 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 haunted. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Totally. I just want to share that. <laughs> of course. So Sabrina, what was your like kind of moment when you, when you dove into all this, when you kind of realized what had been going on, you said you left your corporate lawyer life. What was the, what was the impetus to leave that actually? Yeah, it's this, this whole conversation is so interesting. Just thinking back. So we all had kind of like different, different upbringings, different childhoods. I grew up, I'm still Jewish. Um, and so, but I think what everybody has, like, however you say it, whatever you call, you know, God, the universe source people, especially over the last few years with the pandemic and all this separation, I think people really are all on some level, just looking for, something to believe in, like something to have a connection with. Um, and so for me, I remember this so specifically, I think I was nine years old and I read, I was reading a book by Madeline Langle and there's the, a quote in it that's, it was, ugh, I usually have it like right off the tip of my tongue, but it's something like the, the character is looking up at the stars and it's something like, maybe you have to know darkness to appreciate the light. And I remember reading it. I was so young and I was like, whoa, that the concept just blew my mind. And then no one really talked about it. Like I didn't really hear it for a very long time. And then more recently in my adult life, I heard kind of the idea of contrast, like embrace what's going on. You have to if you've never experienced total grief and total pain, how are you going to know what it feels like when you are absolutely in love? Or like, if you've never been sick at all, how do you really appreciate when you're healthy? So it's, it's kind of like that mentality of embracing whatever. I don't even like the word struggle. It's just like embracing whatever's going on to to find the path. And so I kind of always lived that way, but no one ever used the words. And as a, when I was practicing corporate law, and again, everyone is like, you know, work all the time and they're all, everyone's all about stuff, like making gazillions of dollars and just having all the fancy things. And people would say to me all the time, like, how, how are you happy in this lifestyle? Like, what do you do to just be happy in this work because we're working on, you know, gazillion dollar deals. Nobody's slept in months, years even. And I realized that what I really like, I think my purpose in life is to help share, share this with others. The way that it works for me, maybe won't necessarily be what works for everyone. But the more I started doing that, you know, people would say at work, like, what do you eat during the day to have the energy? What do you read? What do you listen to? And I just kind of started sharing like, here's what works for me. I don't know if it's going to work for you. And eventually the more I started sharing it and feeling like 
oh, I'm actually helping people find more joy in life. I don't know the exact day, but it kind of just clicked. Like, this is really what I want to be doing. I don't want to be, I loved my job. I loved being in an office and like surrounded by the high pace energy. But I felt like, okay, really, I think my purpose is helping more people everywhere just find Mm -hmm. this joy and like feel this way. Because (laughs) I don't know if you've experienced this in the last few years. Like, I know so many people who have died and we're really young. Like we're not that old, but I just think this lifetime, we've probably had a bunch of them, but this lifetime itself is like so short. We should be doing the things that really feel good for us. I'm sorry, this turned into a bit of a long tangent, but one final piece that I have a question for you guys, actually. Um, So when I first started getting into this work, I was surrounded by pretty much all millionaires, billionaires, like money was just everywhere. And what's interesting is because, you know, it was this corporate, like corporate New York city lifestyle. And what I find so interesting is I think what we're all going for, you can't buy with money. It doesn't like the joy is in when you slow down and you have a connection with people and you really find when you ask people like really what makes you happy, it's not having that new fancy thing. It's mm-hmm. like um, it's memories that you have with certain family members or friends and stuff. And so I've almost found like the more that I do this type of work, the le- a lot of people I think are scared to get into it at first because they're like, there's no money in spiritual readings. And, you know, how are you ever going to make a living or have a lifestyle doing this kind of coaching or this kind of work. And what you realize is, well, first of all, you can have a lifestyle doing it because millions of people need something to believe in and are looking for a path like this. They just like don't know where to find it. But then also the more you find it, the less money you need. But I'm I'm curious if if money or finances have ever come up for either of you, because I think that was initially for me, a huge block to get into this kind of work was my family was just like, what are you doing leaving this lucrative, crazy, amazing job to go and like sit around with people by campfire and, (laughs) you know, use incense or whatever. They don't, they don't understand any of it. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, definitely for me, that was really present. So, I mean, I came from a, a military career, which um, it wasn't like super high paying, but it like, it was a solid income coming in. And, um, there was a lot of like growth potential. And I was, I mean, I was on the, on the track until I got injured, but, um, I know there was a lot of pushback from, especially my mom saying that, like, if you aren't, you know, if you're not in the military, like you're going to struggle because that's a good government job and like life is going to be hard and you don't want to do all these things. And like, you're, you're not going to be successful in like coaching or whatever it is that you want to do. Like just work your government job and fight to stay in the military. And like, 
and and if you want to do something on the side, then you can have fun with that. And I'm just like, literally, this is sucking my soul over here. So number one, and number two, like I can see the amount of success that people can have. And I know that that's possible for me. So just because like you are afraid of that, like stop, just stop putting your, your beliefs and your perspectives on me. I get it. But like, it's not, that's not my path. So that was definitely something that was really present. But for me, it almost felt um, in some ways, maybe the opposite. Um, So when I started my journey, so I knew that I wanted to be coaching and eventually healing came into the sphere. um, And I had this deep money wound where I would always work for free. And it was not great. And like, so it was the typical like healer wounds where how could I possibly charge for this? Like, even though I knew that other people were, and then even when I wanted to charge for it, um, I had such a block around things and, um, I just like, I couldn't receive it. Like I, it took me, it wasn't until actually May of 2020 that I first got my first paying client, even though I'd been doing the work for a couple of years, because I, it felt like I had to like prove myself and like move through the imposter syndrome. And I had to get all the certifications and like be a certain way and have a certain like background in order to be worthy, in order to start receiving, even though that was on some levels, total BS because I was already worthy. Um, So yeah, I, like I had a big disconnect there. And for me, I feel like money is a flow of love. So it's just, it's just an energy exchange. It's just a love exchange. It's no different than if I were to be receiving a cow or a chicken or like services in return. It's just another type of currency. Like all of these are different currencies, but they're all of love. So me looking at it in that way has really let me step into a more abundant mindset because yes, I am I am deserving of this love. I am deserving of receiving this, this abundance, this financial support. So I can take care of myself and and my family and do whatever it is that I'm wanting to do in this life. And at the same time, I don't feel kind of that that I'm not a material person. So even if I were to be making seven figures a year, which maybe is a goal of mine, um, like if I was to be making seven figures a year, I don't see my lifestyle changing too much. Like we're not going to go out and buy super fancy cars. Like, yes, we'll probably get my my partner a new car because his is like slowly breaking down. But like, we're not going to be super fancy. It would be more about what can I do with this? How can I better serve people? How can I support my family? Maybe I'd buy my mom a house. Maybe I'd like like have investments, create generational, generational wealth, homeschool, like have different supports, but it's not necessarily about like big and fancy for me where, but that drives other people. It just kind of depends. And also just one fun fact, um, what finally cleared the, uh, the block to money that I had was going back and doing, um, actually it was through hypnotherapy, but, um, it was healing a, moment from I would be like early childhood around three or four where my grandfather had pushed me away. And that was why I couldn't receive love. Cause I, in that moment as a three or four year old, I was like, I'm not worthy of love. I'm not worthy of being seen. I'm too much. I'm like all of these different things because I couldn't process it. And that literally blocked my money flow. And once that was released, it, it was like literally within a week, I got my first paying client and I was like, Oh, floodgates. Thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Money has been very, has been a journey for me, for sure. The, um, 
money has been a journey for sure. The, I've gone through different phases with it. Um, I've gone through phases where I have lots of it. It's always around. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. Um, and then I've gone through phases. I've gone through a consumer proposal where like, I literally have so much debt. I can't buy groceries. Like it's just, it's ridiculous. Um, and so now I've come to a place where I am managing my money better and there's been a lot of like money miracles that have happened in the last, like since I decided to move away from Manitoba. Um, it's been, I quit my job when I, I had a hundred dollars in my bank account. I had no savings. I had uh, some student loan payments, which were small and my consumer proposal payments and stuff like that. But um, the, I, I was like, I'm, I'm just done. And within like three weeks, I had brought in more money like then I knew what to do with. I had thousands of dollars and um, it was it blew my fucking mind. And um, I got like extra payments from the government that I had no idea that I was getting. And I've got my pension payout, which is like way bigger than I thought I was going to get. Like it was, ju- it's just, it's, I don't even know how it's happened. Um, the clients. And so I've had a business in the past uh, doing, uh, intuitive work. So I had a business doing interior design consulting, which really blended energy work and home decor and space and all that kind of thing, because I figured out like the energy patterns people leave behind in their houses and imbue in their objects and how color and shape and all that stuff influences that. And so I did interior design consulting using all my intuitive gifts, if you will. And then I also did coaching as well with other other clients or separate clients, but um, using NLP techniques. And um, at that time, it was really fucking hard taking money from people because I always felt like I was ripping them off. And it was... I would never say that I have had imposter syndrome because I always know that I deliver really fucking good work. I'm really fucking good at what I do when I'm doing something. And if I'm charging you money for it, it's worth it. And there was such a weird story around money growing up. Cause like when I was a kid, uh, we went bankrupt. Like my dad tried starting a business and it didn't work out. Um, and so we went bankrupt and there was just a lot of weird stuff around gift giving in my family too. Like um, if I was given a gift, um, particularly by my mom, if my mom gave a gift, um, you, it was like, it was like, it was never yours. Um, So she would give me money for Christmas kind of thing. And she would, because I wanted to buy like clothes or something like that. And it was just easier for her to give me money than to her to buy the actual clothes. And so she would give me money and then I would go spend it on something else because something new and shiny would come up in January. And I'd be like, oh, this is the thing that I need in my life. And then, um, so she became really bitter and resentful around that. And so, and there was lots of things like physical things, tangible things that she would give me and I'd use for a while. And I'd be like, okay, I'm, I'm done with this now. Um, and then go to give it away or go to whatever. And she would be gravely offended that I would want to get rid of something she had given me. And I'm like, well, I'm done with it. Like, I don't know what, like what is happening here. And so there was always this kind of story of like what 
I am given isn't mine and it can be taken away at any moment. And I'm not allowed to control it. I'm not allowed to um, use my own discernment or intuition or anything around the stuff that I own. And so it, it, when I was getting money in from clients, I'm like, I was I was getting a lot of money in from clients, both design clients and coaching clients. Okay, I was just talking about gift giving and how it always felt like um, what was mine was not mine. I wasn't able to control it. And so I always wanted to get rid of it. As soon as I had money, I wanted to get rid of it. Um, But yet as a teenager, I could save my, I saved like tens of thousands of dollars when I was a teenager. Like it was so easy to save money. And then I got into my twenties and was like, nope, this, none of this is mine. Uh, And so now I've really been trying to slow down have patience with myself around money and act from an opposite story kind of thing. And so it's, I have not pursued a method of like, where is my block and let's release it and that kind of thing. I love that you did that Anastasia. And I think that's fabulous and it works for a lot of people, but I've really wanted to um, take the practice of, uh, I really wanted to take the practice of operating with money on a day-to-day basis in a different way. Mm-hmm. That was really mm-hmm. what came through with my like consumer proposal was like, I don't have credit cards anymore. And so it's literally like, do I actually have money right now for this to pay for it? And how like bringing people then now, um, ramping up my business again and offering um, different services and stuff to people again. Um, I, the, trying to do this with a different intention and a different holding a different energy for it that calling people in. And so calling people in um, who are like, we're both honoring each other in the exchange where, um, so I know my prices are good and fair. I have felt them. How loud are these animals? We can kind of hear them in the background. It's cute. She's agreeing or he's agreeing with the, this whole conversation. I know. The only trouble is, is that these aren't my animals. If they're my animals, I'd be like, I don't give a fuck. Y'all could listen to them do this. But there are another set of owners somewhere who are like exist. They probably wouldn't listen to this, but like, you know, I think it's fine. Okay. So I've just been trying to operate with an intentionality around money where the, I know I'm honoring my prices and standing firm in my prices and um, creating the space for a client to honor that as well. And to, so, and now when money comes in with my business, it stays in the business. It does not cross the line over into personal. And if it does, if I need to pay myself, I pay it back as soon as I can. And that kind of thing. Um, The, Anastasia, you bought a service for me recently. And when you asked the price, I was, I had like a whole thing written out about how, oh, whatever, like we'll give you a deal or whatever. And then I was like, Lauren, you little bitch, you better fucking delete that right now. Cause that is not the truth. And, um, so I was like, okay, I deleted it all. And I just told you the price. And I like, I didn't say a fucking word else. Cause I did not trust myself to say a word else. And you were like, yeah, okay, done. And I was like, the fuck just happened here like that was so easy it wasn't easy on the inside but like it was crazy anyways that has been my journey with money has been has been a journey Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I'm kind of very, very similar to you in in some ways. Um, because I mean, we grew up super poor and I kind of carried that like lack mentality even into into my military career. And I ended up for like reasons that were altruistic, but also naive, like with ninety thousand dollars in like debt and stuff. And it was just insane. Um, and it used to always be like money would come in and it would immediately go out, come in immediately go out. And um, and then I ended up like now my relationship with it is very different. And like, it's interesting because even though I had that moment where like I did go and find that memory um, with support, my, just the relationship has changed. And one of the things that was really potent for me was um, essentially if I couldn't afford something, I wouldn't say that. I would say I'm consciously choosing to put my money elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And it like puts so much power back in. And then like any exchange I have ever, whether it's with clients, whether it's with a grocery store, like I'm blessing that money. Like I'm always like putting blessings into it so that I trust that those blessings will come back to me, even if it's not from that person or that certain certain circumstances there, it's going to come from somewhere else. So like, that's a really important kind of practice that I do now as well daily. Mm-hmm. I've definitely done that in the past and I have not consistently done it. Consistency is not my strong suit. I love, I love thinking of thinking of it though, as just another form of energy and form of exchange. It, that's I'm going to start thinking of money that way now, because it really is your like energy is everything. And so it's just another exchange of energy Mm-hmm. in a different mm-hmm. form. I love that. I think the way that I have thought about it too is that the shift that I've been trying to embody recently is I have always thought about money as like, this amount of money will get me this. I need to work this or do this client to get this thing. Um, I have always been materialistic. I, I want a beautiful fucking fancy car or six and like, you know, all the things. The, I have been the last, I want to say year-ish. I mean, there's, it's been a lot longer than that. I've been on a very slow unfolding journey into flow, if you will, and finding more of that feminine flow and that um, ability like, to just receive shit. And so now the mentality that I've been switching with, I definitely haven't come at it from the same like conscious perspective that you have, Anastasia, but it's been more of like trying to dis disengage that connection of like X dollars gets me this thing Mm -hmm. and thinking of it more as like I can have money and I can have this thing and I don't need to control the method in which it comes to me and um, like just disconnecting those things right that like I can have money I can do work I can earn an income um, and money and like there's room for miracles right like that course in miracles kind of adage of like you need to be able to have space in your life for the miracles to come in um, yeah so this is a, another tangent my brain just goes all over the place sometimes. go there do it. Uh, so thinking of kind of making space for things to come in. Um, I, I just, I have a lot of stuff. It accumulated over the years. I have so much stuff. And I, I, when I moved, first of all, from my bigger apartment to this little cabin, I had to get rid of a lot, even, even on, on that part of it. And then now that I'm here, I've just been trying to unload, get rid. I don't need all this material stuff. i you know, working towards just 
what really matters to me the most. And so I tried to Marie Kondo, you know, where you like throw everything in the middle of the space, say thank you. It's almost like blessing it. Like, thank you to the things that worked for you that you no longer need. Okay, Marie Kondoing didn't work. So earlier this year, I heard of something called Swedish death cleaning. And it's it's a very cool concept, but the idea basically comes from... Um, I think it's, I don't even think of it as morbid. We're all going to die at some point. If I died right now, I would be mortified if somebody walked into my cabin. Like it, it's impossible. Not only can you not find the important papers and things that matter, but like there are things that are mess. There are things nobody would know what I want to do with them. So the idea is you start by going through your stuff first, kind of like make sure it's okay if, you know, if something were to happen to you, do people know what matters most to you? Like, do do people really know who you'd want to have certain things or where your papers are or what are your desires for like, who's going to take care of your animals and your, you know, those kinds of things. But then the next step is you start to give stuff away. And so like, oh, if I want this person, if the, let's say someone was going to get this necklace in my will. Well, do I really need to wait or should I like go and give it to them now and get to actually spend the next several years like seeing these gifts with the people that you give them to? So it just, the whole idea really made sense to me and I thought it was cool. And so I started doing it and I have given some of it, I've just donated and like gotten rid of, but some I've actually given meaningful things to friends and family and people who I've wanted to have it. And I think it also just kind of creates this cool energy connection as you give it to them and explain like, this is what I'm giving to you. This is why. So I don't know. It's It's been cool because it's made literal space like for me in my space, but it's also been very cool reconnecting with some people or and just kind of clearing out all things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. The in at the end of August, I moved out of. I've been downsizing. I've been downsizing a lot um, in a few different iterations, and the biggest iteration happened at the end of August. I moved out of my mom's place, packed up my car, and drove out to Alberta, and was like, "Whatever fits in the car is coming, and whatever doesn't is not." And that's I don't care what happens to anything that's been left, kind of thing. Um, and like, holy fuck, I got to Alberta, and I was like, "I have so much shit. There is way too much stuff here." And so I have some stuff with a girlfriend. I have some stuff that I've just like gotten rid of. Um, and I'm about to downsize again. And it's like, it's mind blowing to me how little stuff I need and how much stuff I thought I needed and how much stuff I liked having around. And I mean, I definitely having done interior design, I, I know how important having a good environment and a full environment and that kind of thing can be. And also whatever this phase is right now, like the the minimalism of it. Like if it doesn't fit in my suitcase, we're done. Um, and like, I was even shocked when I was packing up, uh, originally to come out to Alberta, the, even my crystals were like, no, we're not coming. 
Mm-hmm. I had like one crystal that would come with me. The rest of them were like, we're not getting in that suitcase. Like not even maybe, <laughs> not even a little bit. And so I contacted a few of my intuitive friends and I was like, are you, can you check in with these crystals? Like, am I hearing things? And they're like, nope, don't bring them. And I was like, oh shit, okay. All right, we're really going essentials. Essentials only. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely nobody would have a fucking clue what's important to me. <laughs> With if I died right now. I feel like for me, some people might have a clue, but for the most part, they wouldn't. But it's mostly because I feel like the people that would have a clue would like, it's they would know all my like spiritual stuff. And then the rest of it, they'd be like, oh, because nobody really, I feel like nobody knows that part of me. Even I feel like my partner doesn't fully know that part of me, like of what's actually important. And it's so interesting because when, when I really think about it and I think about like even the potential of like death cleaning or something, there's so much that I have that like, and I'm like, I keep like minimizing things, but I don't know how like everything comes back. I swear. Um, (laughs) But like, there's so much that I have that I have maybe some like mild emotional attachment to, like I have some, some of my grandmother's things, but that won't really mean anything to anybody else other than me um, because they didn't know her. Like she's, she's already gone. Like she's already been in spirit for several years. So even if I were to like hand something down, for example, like I want a ring to go to my children there, like there's no emotional attachment to it. So I don't even know that it would make sense to like pass it on to anybody. So it's just interesting, like thinking about how some things can have emotional attachment, but really it's only for you. Um, Mm -hmm. and like, once you're gone, your attachment to those things is gone too. And like, you don't have to hold on to these things or have other people hold on to these things because, because they were important to you. Like, it's such a, it's such an interesting concept thinking about that. Yeah. And I've started to kind of implement it into other things, like other things that I teach and other things that I do and just how I live my life. I, I think I don't know. People don't want to talk about death often (laughs) or ever maybe, but none of us is getting out of here alive. (laughs) Right. So like we might as well embrace it and like look at these things. And if I know a lot of people who are really struggling to let go of things emotionally. And so maybe this is kind of one step in that direction. Um, I don't know, just sometimes we have to hear things in five different ways before mm-hmm. it makes sense. And so maybe if you're trying to hear something through, you know, like a, it, maybe, I don't know if you guys, <laughs> here's another tangent. Have you heard of the Healy or any sort of like frequency? Oh yeah. No. <laughs> right there. Yeah, I have mine right here. So, you know, things like that where it's like, a new concept that might just be hard for someone to hear, but you, you know, this is going to be something that's going to work for them. Sometimes just hearing something in a different way, like, you know, not that they're, the two are necessarily related, but sometimes just hearing something that can make someone click like, Oh, I understand that this ring is really important to me, but my kids aren't going to care. Mm-hmm. Maybe. So why am I holding on to it? it just might help people understand like there are things that we don't always understand, but that are just going on emotionally around us and energetically Mm -hmm. around us. 
Mm-hmm. And and what does value even mean? Like when you think of value, is it emotional value? Is it like monetary value? Cause I know um, in my life, my mom holds on to like everything. There's, she really needs to let go of some stuff. Um, but so for her, everything has value. Whereas for me, I look at it very different and it's almost easier for me to get rid of things. Cause I grew up in such a essentially like hoarder environment. Um, and now like, I'm like, okay, well now I can just let go of things because I'm not holding on to the value or the perceived value of them. So even like asking questions about that, well, what is the value of it to me? What is the value of it to somebody else? And is there value in me keeping and holding the physicalness of it, but also the energetic of it? I think it really comes down to as well, trusting the seasons of your life. Because Mm -hmm. one thing I've noticed, so like I grew up in a house too, where my mom loved keeping keepsakes. There was always like boxes of keepsakes and we would slip this shit from house to house, province to province, like all over these keepsakes. And so I was kind of raised with this mentality of like, you need some keepsakes. And so I have like different phases of life. I have some keepsakes or things. And it's once in a while, it's fun to like go back and be like, oh my gosh, so nostalgic and cute and that kind of thing. But one thing I've realized is that like memory is a very fraught thing for me. Like, um, I do not remember very large chunks of my adolescence and childhood and that kind of thing. Um, like people will tell stories and I'm like, sounds cool. Like I don't, cool. Um, and so, and then pairing that with, I have always been the person who will get rid of things easily. Um, where like, so I, when I have like a shoebox full of keepsakes, every other member of my family has like rubber made bins of keepsakes. And, um, I'm like, yeah, I just need this piece of paper to remind me of something I really loved. I don't need anything else. And even now knowing how much I've downsized and that kind of thing, what I've realized is that, okay, yes, there are times when I really wish I had something from the good old days to to just like be in that energy again. For some reason, I have this one like turquoise tank top that I want to wear often. And I'm like, girl, you have not had that for like 10 years. Um, but the the memory of it and the value of it and that kind of thing, I think only lasts for a season. And so the, the holding on to something, while I have definitely done it in the past, I also, um, letting it go and like trusting the season and trusting that you don't need this thing right now and that something else that is meaningful will come into your life. I think that's a really important element of it. And not that I necessarily know how to value something in that. I just know that. So with not having a ton of memory of my life or having a memory that is a little faulty and being very intuitive and psychic and and having an eye on the future for large parts of my life, um, what has become the value in my life is how do I feel about something right now? And really sinking hard into does, does, do I really fucking love this right now? Mm -hmm. Right. And do I, is this really something I want to have around right now? And that's it. It's a yes or no question. It's here or it's gone and that's it. And then you go on to the next new, and for me, it's a practice of that trust that there is something else coming in. There is something else that is meaningful and will hold meaning and that kind of thing. Um, And yeah. And probably having that 
knowledge for you because you're intuitive and you know that something else good is going to be coming that helps you let go. There are so many people who it's like, you know, everyone's always talking about live in the now. Like, what do you love right now? And I think that's a goal for so many people. But then there's me who's like, well, I might wear that. Like, what if I have an 80s Halloween party in four years? I need to keep this outfit. Or like, what if there, what if I ever need that one random thing again? And and I don't think I could just get another one. The the odds of me needing it are like 0.2%. And then if I ever need it, I can borrow one or I can get one. But it's this mentality of, oh, but there's, I want to hold on. I want to hold on. And it's, it's such a skill to really be able to just trust and know that you're going to have what you need when you need it. And if you don't need it right now in this moment, you probably don't need it. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's a, I think it's an interesting journey to get there to really be able to just let things go. And once you can, it's so freeing. I have a suspicion that there is also a role in our society for the keepers. Um, mm-hmm. When it comes to clothes, particularly, um, I, cause it's funny you brought up the eighties party and that kind of thing. When it comes to clothes specifically, there are so many clothes. Like I look at movies and stuff like that. I love watching movies for all like the visual details and stuff like that. Right. And so when you get a period show and they're dressing you in clothes that are very clearly from now, but just like in an older style drives me bonkers. Um, like you need clothes from the period if you're going to do a period thing, or you need a replica that is like closely related, like using the same materials. Anyways, I'm, and for this stuff. But so I think that there's a, I've, and I've known people like this. There's a girl who's um, a woman rather, who's a friend of my uncle's. She uh, has kept a, it's essentially a thrift store, um, like a vintage store for many, many years. And she ended up now she has a warehouse and she like rents her stock out to movies and stuff like that. Like she is a keeper of these kind of things. It's like, it's like social archivists. Um, I feel like there is a role for those. And it, what you're saying about, um, you know, that instinct to like, what if I need this? What if I need this? I feel like there's definitely a magic in harnessing that and embodying that and being like, yes, this is just my fucking role. Um, Cause like, I am super not that person. Like a hundred and I'm absolutely not the archivist at all. Um, but I, I suspect that that's the thing. Mm, I think no, totally. I need ar- archivist to next level though. Like if I have, <laughs> if I have an eighties party in four years, not only do I have one outfit, I have 15, 15 and under, I probably have 50 stacked up all in a row. And also if there's a seventies party or a sixties party or a nineties party, you know, so there's, <laughs> there's the keepers and then there's like the hoarders and <laughs> learning how to, yeah, just <laughs> be in the now or just at least realize, okay, what's my favorite one of those to keep? And then I can let the others go. Yeah. yeah. Totally. And I, I think too, with, you know, with that energy of keeping, um, like you were saying, Lauren, with like the archivists, it's what are you doing with what you are keeping and why, and again, like the meaning behind why you're keeping it or the value behind it. Like if you are using it as maybe to a, a business or maybe you love, love it because you're archiving and, you know, loaning it out or sharing it, 
like that's a very different energy than like hoarding it and keeping it to yourself because one day you might need it or one day this might have value that somebody's going to want. Um, so it, it's very, very different energies. And I think the the intention behind it is really going to be the, the discerning factor mm-hmm. between like behind why you're keeping something or letting it go. I know like I'm kind of in the middle with things where like it's very easy for me to let go of things. But then for example, with some clothes, thing if I'm not sure about it or I like I love it but also it's not the season in my life for it sometimes I'll just put it away for like until next year and I've done that with summer clothes and stuff before and I'm like okay now this year do I still love this sometimes it's a yes and other times it's a no you're actually ready to let go of this so sometimes I revisit things where I'm like okay you're a maybe and I'm not sure if I'm going to still resonate with you in a year but we'll see. And if it's a no, then I'm like, okay, well now I get to let go of you. But then sometimes it's like, okay, now I get to keep you until the next time. <laughs> Sabrina, I think the moral of the story is, is that you just need to have, start having parties like eighties and seventies and whatever theme parties and invite your friends over and say it's costume required. Uh, but you can just come and wear my costumes. Yes. And then, uh, and I will supply costume supplied upon entry. Um, because then you don't have that one person, one the one party pooper, which is usually me. Because it's usually me being like, I don't want to put the effort into do this. I want to show up. I want to have a good time. But like, I got your outfits ready to go. Come on, <laughs> come on down. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, do you guys have any famous last words? Do you have any thoughts? Is there anything that has come up for you during this conversation that surprised you that you want to call attention to? I know we ended up like surprisingly not touching on it a lot, but the, the idea of like courses and, and trainings and kind of setting yourself up in life or, or kind of gathering our nuts. Um, I just want to <laughs> kind of swing back full circle for a yeah. minute. Um, but, you know, I think that the, this like journey of remembering as, as you call it and, you know, our, our desire to learn and gather and just explore life and different teachings and, um, you know, different modalities and everything is so beautiful and powerful. And, um, you know, not everything is for us. Uh, so we don't have to resonate with everything. And then also the things that we do resonate with, and I'm, and I'll use my personal experience here. So like I've taken so many courses in, especially in healing, like I've taken shamanism and Reiki and integrated energy, energy therapy and theta healing and like the Akashics, um, and many different levels of that. And it's all of these have informed me, but I don't continue using a lot of them. Like I, although I took Reiki and integrated energy therapy for me, I I don't really like working with them on clients. It's just not really my jam, but it beautifully informs how I support myself or how I support my clients in different ways. Because sometimes something from the Akashics will be like, okay, well now you need to bring this modality in for this like 15 minutes or whatever it is, or, you know, knowing how to work with the energy. So all of these things have beautifully informed and kind of sculpted me, even though I'm not holding on to all of the specifics from them. So yeah, I just wanted to touch on that a little bit because we get to shape our life with what we bring in and we don't have to like, we don't have to limit what we learn and we don't have to shame ourselves for being a seeker, but nor do we have to, 
you know, commit to applying absolutely everything we seek out because sometimes it just is part of our sculpting process. And then we can go deeper into the ones that are really, really calling to us, but we needed this piece over here in order to understand the pieces over here. 100%. Absolutely. I could not have said that better myself. That A plus material, Anastasia. (laughs) <laughs> do you have any do you have any thoughts on that, Sabrina? Yeah, I just ditto to all of that and um different courses, but I took a similar path. I've just taken so many trainings and they're I haven't taken them all with the intent of ever teaching. It's more just to help inform kind of my whole self. And also kind of going back to the whole beginning of our conversation, but we have to know what's out there in order to know what to choose. So I wouldn't know if Reiki really resonated with me until I did my Reiki training and then kind of took a couple little pieces that worked. And then I thought, okay, the rest I can leave for for others, but I know what's out there. And then it also helps, I think, inform as we are working with clients, maybe something doesn't personally resonate so much with me, but because I just know enough about it from doing the training, I might meet someone and say, oh, you know what? You might really enjoy this type of work, even if it didn't work or didn't feel, you know, like something that really worked for me, I might Mm -hmm. still be able to see someone else and say, oh, I think you would really, this might really help your healing. So yeah, Mm -hmm. it kind of goes back to just getting out of our vanilla box. And I take as many trainings as I can to, know what toppings are all out there and available and then kind of pick and choose and then (laughs) tying it back to our wild ride of energy and then going into Swedish death cleaning and (laughs) money and everything else. I think with the trainings, it's kind of like the same idea of having all this stuff, like accumulating, you know, all the certifications and all the knowledge, but then knowing okay, which stuff can I actually let go of? Because, you know, it doesn't have to be tangible. That stuff is taking up real estate in our brains and our heads are going to explode if, you know, we can't hold on to everything. Mm -hmm. So I kind of think the same process, it was a little funny that we talked about that whole, like, you know, getting rid of stuff, but it really does apply even with all these trainings that we've taken and this energy work to know like, what is it worth keeping in your head? And what's it worth saying finally, okay, I can let go of this. Totally, totally. And I think too, you know, with when you think of when you think of it in relation to like the death cleaning or like the the bringing in of the physical things, when we are taking courses or bringing in different energies, um, we are essentially the archivists as seekers. So we are seeking the energy, but we are also the the keepers of the archivists of this energy. And then when, like you said, when somebody comes into your path, you can be like, oh, here's this nut. Like I've been holding this one for you, <laughs> like clearly. So I think it's beautiful that we have this parallel between everything we talked about and how we're just the energetic keepers of things as seekers. And we're going to continue doing that and just kind of replacing the things and, and flushing out so that we can continue providing it to others. I, I could not agree more. 
I think that is a fabulous note to end on. And I just wanted to say thank you so much to everybody for listening to this episode of the Casually Profound podcast. Thank you to Anastasia Burtnick and Sabrina Gersener for joining us for this fabulous conversation that only the three of us could have had. This was truly some freaking magic. Um, If you listen to this conversation and wanted to be a part of it, you are absolutely welcome to. Please shoot me a message. I am Lauren on Instagram. Literally, that is my handle. I am Lauren. Um, You can also look up Casually Profound on Instagram, shoot a DM over, and we will talk about if you wanted to be on the show. Thanks for showing up and we will see you again next time.